Let's get ready to what? Rumble. Okay, folks, it's the Zero Hour. My name is Mark Beard. I'm sometimes your co-host, accompanied by... Christine Chapman, your host. Oh yeah. And today, yes. I'm stealing your thunder. Oh, go, We steal. have one of my dearest mentors and friends, um, Leanne Mitchell. Who is one? Dude, I can't. I can't. Dude, dude, no. Okay. Okay. No, okay. you know the rules. Come on. <laughs> I feel like these are new rules. No. In the last you know couple of episodes, I've learned now four things from you today, <laughs> and this is the fourth thing I've learned. And we've known each other for a couple of years, and these are things I should have learned week one that I'm learning now two years oh, later. Well. But I digress. Leanne, great to have you. Say hello. Hello. Yeah. All right. So, I know you wanted to steal my thunder, I but know. I stole it back. Yes, you did steal no. it back, right. as you do. You don't have your friggin' notes. I got my I notes. I don't need notes. Oh shit. You calling me out? Mm. <laughs> mm. I don't use notes either, for the record. Oh, they're did both you, calling me out. Did you ever use notes as... As a yoga teacher? Oh, you <laughs> gave it up! <laughs> well, I saw where that was going, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I am Team Christine, so I had to... Yay. Oh, <laughs> so you. now we're teaming up. Now it's me against you two. Well, I'm very competitive. Oh, fuck's <laughs> sake. There we go. She is. By the way, Leanne has, and this is my first time meeting her, amazing teeth. Oh. And, and I just learned that she's never had braces, and she's got beautiful teeth. In case you ever meet her, thank you, thank look you. at her teeth. Um... I have something that I'd like to share. Okay. Uh, because I take copious notes, even when you don't think I'm taking notes. Did you know that Leanne uh, was a sociology major and has more degrees in Go? I couldn't even write them all down when we were talking because you were just rallying them off so quick. I, yeah, I, I'm a, uh, I am an overachiever, a recovering overachiever. A recovering that is cute. <laughs> overachiever. Right, but before you were recovering, what did you overachieve in? So my... Degree is primarily in environmental science. Okay. And then I have other degrees in sociology and anthropology and sustainability. I know. It's too much. What? Yeah. Like, did you just, you're an overachiever, like constant book learner, like swimming upstream type of person? Um, More like I decided I was going to do it and then I would just get the work done. But there was no, like, serious commitment to being the best at <laughs> Okay. All right. Would you consider going back to any one of these degrees if you Um, had to? And if so, which would it be? Only sociology. Ah. Sociology and anthropology. Well, sociology is the study of people. Anthropology is the study of the world. Is that? Cultures. Well, so like in sociology, sociologists observe and anthropologists will join groups and Wait a second. I just learned another title I can put on my LinkedIn profile. Sociologist. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sociologist, artiste, because I observe and I act. What do you think I'm doing right now? Yes, right? yes. I got are. a lot of caffeine in me, but all right. And a lot of sugar. Passing the thunder back you. Uh, to you, who is, has no notes. Go. So, so Leanne, Leanne is one of my favorite yoga teachers of all time. Um, and she is somebody that I feel like um, I feel like I've raised my daughter to like follow similar paths Aww. inadvertently. Um, and I know how inspired my own daughter has been in her classes with you, both as a 
yoga instructor hopeful when she was being trained by Jen's team, which included you. Um, but like I, I, I'm always astounded because we've had the opportunity to go to a yoga treat, retreat that you and Jen ran together and spend mornings up in Vermont where we're just coming from. Uh, drinking really, really strong coffee and yes. many cups of it and just talking <laughs> early in the morning. What's astounded me always about you as somebody who is now 51 years old and you are barely 30? I'm 29. You're 29. Wow. Is how wise you are in your young years. Like uh, anytime I walk out of a class, I feel like I've been sort of hit by some nugget of wisdom that I carry with me either for the whole day, the week, or the month. And I'm always grateful for that and the fact that you push me to do things that sometimes I didn't know I could, even though I'm not yet arm balancing or any of that. Wait, what is, is that this? Hang on, we'll do some yoga moves. Ready? Is it like this thing? Like, like, like <laughs> That's this? just a balance. <laughs> Look at that. That's a good tree pose. Oh, a good hell tree pose. yeah. Good. Oh, there you go. All right. Yeah. And then there's like that thing. All right. Eagle. Yeah. All right. I just, yeah, I just did something. Yeah. Something. I don't even know what I did. One of these days, we're going to get you in there. So I don't know where that wisdom comes from, right? My, my Whether parents. Okay. Yeah. Let's were talk they, about that. Were they the same way? Were they like wise beyond your years? <laughs> um, my parents have very different backgrounds from one another, but they were married super young, 20, 21. Wow. How old were you when you got married? 24. All right. So it's on par. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like what are, the, what, are their ba- what are their backgrounds, your parents? Um, my parents are both people that are just their, their spiritual life is really important to them. So my mom's one of 10 kids. My dad's one of six. Jesus. Irish? My mom's Irish. Yeah. My dad is, you know, a a mutt as you would Mixed bag of tricks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Exactly. All right. Um, but they just kind of came together like in their agreement of how important emotional health is far earlier than I think it was mainstream. Right. And I know in like in some places it's not mainstream still. Um, I mean, I, I honestly, I've only learned about emotional health like three years ago. Yeah. Right? Um, really? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I were like some of the stuff we spoke about during our prep was we all want our bodies to work as they were intended to yeah. work. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I want everything to function like it's supposed to function until the day I die, right? And that's why we kind of work out, or that, that's why I work out, is for my, like, emotional health. And I, I never really thought of working out as emotional health until one day. I'm just like, you know, I, I don't have any music on when I run, right? Yeah. And I just listen to, sounds very hippie, listen to nature and my, and my, my breath, and I'm running, and, um, and then I feel great after it, but... I never really associated with that feeling and the thinking I'm doing as emotional health until recently, until like three years ago. So for your parents to be well ahead of that curve in terms of instilling emotional health into their children in, let's see, in the 90s you were born, yep. right? right? Then that's that's already like a step up. Now, you said you have a bunch of brothers. Are they? I have two brothers and a sister. Okay. Are they in a similar line of thinking, emotional yeah. health-wise? Yeah. And I would say they definitely are. It's my parents have always been very active people too. Yeah. So like I, they they would probably call it spirituality, though I I won't speak for them. For me, spirituality is more emotional, mental well-being. So like that's 
you know, in that way, like yoga to so many people is an intensely spiritual and in areas of the world religious practice. So can can you help me understand that? Yeah. I am someone who has never done a day's worth of yoga. And Christina's always asking me to do it. And actually, I think I need to because my body hurts, mm-hmm. right? And that's why I would be doing I still want to get a workout, but my body hurts. So like I know how running affects me. It gets my it gets my endomorphins up. And I'm pumped for hours after. Is it the same pump in yoga? Is it a different pump? Well, so in my opinion, it's different because for me, an endorphin high is something that happens that takes you from wherever you are up. Okay. Yeah. Yoga could take you from being really high to the middle or really low to the middle. So neutrality is really more the goal, in my opinion, than being like on a high up or a high low. Now, do you feel that that's true for like an intense flow? So because I feel like I do sometimes get a pretty good like not like crazy runners like cardio workout. But when I when I look at my Fitbit or whatnot, after one of your classes, for example, if I know I'm like feeling right to push myself, like I've burnt a shit ton of calories and my heart rate has been higher than it would be on a walk, for example, or or a light hike. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the difference for me is that we start in my classes it depends on the teacher i like to start really low with a lot of restorative work a lot of slow deep stretches or just laying there really and then we also end the same way yeah 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 most of us are pros at that one and then um, (laughs) at the end of it you know we're doing something similar so i think the the key to that is like i i begin my classes with something that's close to shavasana which is really like a meditation Um, and I also end my classes that way I do the same thing in my practice and the reason for that is that my goal now for myself and for my students is that they land somewhere in the middle but for some people balance from their yoga practice means that they do need to be on and up when they leave yoga and for others that are maybe like really frantic they need, they to, need be to be a little lower. So yeah. how do you, that's interesting. So how do you navigate those individuals so they feel satisfied with the class? Like how do you get someone who wants to be up, up, someone wants to be, you know, with high anxiety, down or neutral? Is there is there a way to balance both of those kind of needs? Yeah, and the interesting thing is that So where Christine and I could take the same class, and let's say I'm really high anxiety and Christine isn't at that moment, we could do the same exact flow, and it has the impact that it leaves us both feeling like we're closer to the pendulum landing in the middle. So it's it's almost like, I mean, you know, it's it's almost like take what you... Like it, it gives you what you need. I feel like is, yeah. is what, right. what you want, right? Or... Yeah, but like sometimes, sometimes like like Leanne said, I'm like in my head and I'm really anxious, and I will go to yoga, and I'll be able to not necessarily completely quell all of the anxiety, but to find myself in a space where I feel grounded, exactly, and at least yeah. calm enough and ready to like, I did something really hard. It felt good. I've pushed myself and now I can go into my day and give whatever comes next my very best. It doesn't 
solve the world's problems for me, right? But similarly, I could feel really like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. I just, I just want to lie here. And I go and I push myself and it brings me up to that place where I'm like, oh, you know what? I can go home, have a cup of coffee and be ready. Right. It's like a release. Like it's a regular, you know, thing that allows for some peace and some. Leanne, do you do yoga every single day? I do I do something involving yoga every single day, but that could be meditating. Meditating. It could be a couple cat cows. Some uh, day, the some infamous days it's cat cow. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. The infamous cat cow. Uh, spinal tilts. Cat oh, cows the spinal are. tilts as well. Yes. Yeah. Very familiar. Yes. So basically, back bending to folding. Back bending to folding yeah. sounds painful. Yeah. So like I'll do something to regulate my nervous system every day. So like the, what we're talking about with landing in the middle, what that that what's the brain is responding to is that there is an input there's a stimulus that is regulating the central nervous system so that's why like i could come in and be high anxiety which i often am and we could still end up are you an anxious person oh my god yes really you don't come across as well i i will say like the benefit of having parents that are so so wonderfully in tune and Mm -hmm. promoted mental health Mm -hmm is that I have known I have anxiety for most of my life Mm -hmm. and worked to find coping mechanisms. Um, And was that actively parented into the day-to-day? I'm just curious. Absolutely. Because I often don't know how to deal when my own children are feeling anxiety. I encourage the anxiety and I fucking throw flames on the fire. (laughs) (laughs) I throw gasoline on that shit. Blood in the water for you. Yeah. I do that. I do flames. that. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. But I end up not knowing, and sometimes I have to have my daughter say, "You know what? I just need you to listen to me. I don't mm-hmm. need you to solve my problem. Can you just listen?" And yeah. then I have to like calm myself down because I'm getting anxious with her, and then I have to say, "Okay, I need to breathe through this and just be a safe space." And it's so funny. You can do it for your clients. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I can do that for my clients. I can't do that in that way for my own child. So my curiosity is around. Wow. How were your parents so able to sort of walk through that with you? Did yeah. they actively work with you to help you develop the tools? Or were they like me with the, oh, my God, okay, I'm, I'm just going to listen as you cry and do whatever I can. I don't really know how to help. Like, you know, I, I often feel like I don't really know how to help. Yeah, and I think the biggest – one of the biggest things that I've learned, you know – as my brain has matured is that my parents are not perfect people and they're not supposed to be. And they did the best that they could with what they had, which was pretty damn good. So there were times that they didn't understand things that I was dealing with and that would frustrate me. But if they didn't have the tools, they would put me in front of somebody that did. That did. Mm. Um, My parents are also they lead by example like that's their biggest thing so like my my mom has always taken such good care of herself what's your mom's name mary mary thanks yeah. mary shout out to mary yeah, yeah. my dad is tom tom mary and tom. hi tom. tom yeah so my mom both of my parents but you know like your mom is your figure especially maybe like it's different for for men but for me like my yeah, mom my is, mom like is my, my, model. my my mom is definitely my figure totally yes. yeah, yeah yeah so she took such good care of herself and she went out of her way to say, I'm doing this for me. You can go take care of whatever you need to do. Not in a neglectful way, nothing like that. She was so supportive. 
but it was they they took care of us without caretaking us. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That's, That's interesting. so interesting. So, yeah. so Leanne's got a lot of deep things that, that she says. Um, can you rattle off another quote? And I hope it's the one I'm thinking of, right? Oh, and boy. We, the, we no pressure. No, it's a little bit of pressure. Remember, we could always edit it out if you fuck up. Okay. Um, and There's no such thing. Exactly. I'm going to start. What comes to mind? This is, this is, this is not a test. One of my... One of my what Christine calls a Leanism, which are really yes. Mar- Mary and Tomisms, truly. But yeah. uh, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Yes! Yes. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> yes. And I have it written down. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. That's brilliant, right? And that's a Tom and Maryism. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, before them it came from somebody else and they would never take credit for it, but... Okay. It, but it's it is a brilliant Leanism and and honestly when I first heard it and then Celia came to me when she was doing yoga teachers training and it really stuck with her Celia is my daughter um, Leanne knows that but um, how it, sh- she interpreted it and I think there there are days when you've said how you do anything is how you do everything mm-hmm. and it's so interesting right like I rush through life in all of the iterations I need to on so many levels have like I need to schedule things out like three months in advance just because my life is so chaotic in so many different ways that in an ideal world I see at least that mm-hmm. right but I feel like that's something that that carries into every aspect of my life. And when you said that, it landed so, so profoundly. Um, I have a trivia question since you know Leanne so well. Okay. Let's see if you can answer this since you don't have any notes in front of you. Okay. <laughs> and if you answer it properly, I'm what do I get? Dinner. Okay. All right. What are her dogs' names? George. For fuck's sake. And you got to get them both. George and I give you a letter. Okay. R. Roger. Eh. All right, oh. dinner's on you. Remy. <laughs> George Remy. and Remy. But I do Remy. know your dog's name is Rocket. Yes, you Or the French like to call him Rocher. Yes, that yes. makes sense. <laughs> that tracks. Um Okay. Can, yeah. Can, can we like? Yes. Okay. Wait. Can we talk about the name of her business and give her some props? Yes. Can yes. You, yes. Can you? Can you speak to your work? Speak to your work where people can find you. We want to reiterate that a little bit. We want to help out where we can. Absolutely. So my my business is uh, my real estate business is Mitchell Gatto Team. My okay. business partner is Elizabeth Gatto, who is wonderful and also a yoga teacher. She's amazing. She is. Um, and we actually, at this point in our career, are blessed to work mostly by referral by our clients that have been super, super loyal. So we don't advertise a ton, but right. we are on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, Mitchell Gatto team. Excellent. And the yoga biz? So for yoga, I now only teach for my best friend, Jen, who owns Shanti Yoga, which is in Hopkinton. And Natick. And, Natick. Um, and does amazing virtual work as well, yes. like has continued to yeah. do virtual classes. We love So in preparation Shanti. for this, I uh, I did watch one of your recorded oh, sessions you of you. But you didn't do it. Of course not. Okay. But I, I I watched I I watched you. You were alone in a room. It sounds weird, I'm sorry, but you were <laughs> you were alone in a room and I'm watching. Um and I'm not sure if it was on 
uh, like like two x speed, but the movements were so fluid and so like you went from one to the next to the and I'm like if anyone could see me right now I'm whatever being a schmuck, uh, but like is that like do you recall what what maybe I, I don't saw? think it was an actual zoom I think it was one of the Instagram yeah um, like reels yes. so it would have been so I do tend to speed them up so if you watched it in in real time you would see far more uh, wobbles. and Okay, I saw zero wobbles. Yeah, so I mean, so my yoga practice, I there's been a major evolution over the many years that I've been practicing and teaching. Lately, I've been really into um, what I call like a, a flow state. Okay. So the flow that you see where I'm moving from one movement to the other, I do hold postures and I think that's really important. But I like to build flows that go from expanding to contracting. So like back bending to folding, things of that nature. You that's better pretty, hurry up and take that picture. It's already. pretty good. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah. All right, go. Very serious question about yoga. It's been on my mind forever. Okay. Very, very serious question. Sounds like it's gonna be. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is farting a big deal? No. No? The people are people always and do people ignore? I mean, it? like I would say don't do it on purpose. I don't. And yeah. I wouldn't, but that's my fear. But listen, people fart all the time in class and I every single time I have to turn around, laugh by myself, <laughs> rein it in and turn back around because I I it's funny. Like if I I agree. And I think to to go to a, a yoga class in community, especially if you've not been practicing yoga for a long time, yeah. you you have to have a sense of humor. Yes, sure. absolutely. It is like a total prerequisite. If you don't have a sense of humor, you're going to have a hard time because you're going to fall, you're going to fart, you're going to, you know, make mistakes. I mean, if you saw a guy like me walking in, so you have all say you have a class of 10, right? Yeah. And they're all experienced and then you have this big mook Right, who walks in, who is, you know, air quotes athletic, but it's his first time doing yoga. I, I, I got to imagine you'd be like supporting me, like, no, move your arm like this, do this with your butt, you know, move your head. Like, is so, that? No, not no? really. No. I, I don't. Um, there are places that will do that, and that is, that's fine. I don't assist uh, physically. And the reason for that is because I don't think uh, people could change their mind about whether they want to be touched by another person at any time. I want you to touch me. People are, <laughs> some people are like that. Touch and I, me! And I'm like, I tell people, people will come in and say that, and I just tell them politely, I don't assist. Would if I, it was Christine, would, would I, I might offer. Would I have to whisper in someone's ear and be like, please assist? assist it, well so there there's all different schools of thought on it so some teachers ahead of class will say would you like to be assisted if you don't want to be assisted lift your leg in the air or something like that if lift your leg in the air yeah like from down dog show, or like something. so that the teacher can survey the class and see i'd be like both legs are in here be, yeah. yeah who would be willing to you know be touched I, I think like the the issue for me and i think assists are wonderful i like to receive assists at certain times and i really appreciate the option to opt out because, you know, people go to yoga because they've experienced recent trauma, both big T and little t traumas and, and all different things. Wait, what type of trauma? Physical trauma? Like you're hurt or mental trauma? Or? All sorts of things. Yeah, like any, any of emotional that. Emotional, trauma. mental, physical, um, or something could come up that they didn't even realize was bothering them. So I think like informed consent is so important in yes. yoga. Um, and is it a form continuous. Of therapy? It's therapy. For a to, lot of people, a it's a form of therapy. Okay. Yeah. All right. I need a therapist. 
We can I, assist. We, we're going to go. We, you need to go. You, you need to try out yoga. I think it'll be good for you. I, I'm not saying no to it. It okay. can't. It won't hurt. Exactly. I, my thing with yoga is I want to get the endomorphin rush, right? And I don't, and I want to get the calorie burn, right? So, like, when I run, I'm like, oh, shit, a thousand calories, right? And I'm winded. Like, I feel my, my novice approach to working out is if I feel winded, right, mm-hmm. and sweaty, then it was a good workout. Like, well, you'll be sweaty. You might not be winded. You might have moments of being feeling somewhat like on I be your sore way to winded the next day. Probably. Okay. Good. Because you've stretched things that you You'll, usually might not stretch. I stretch everything, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the consideration too with yoga is like yoga. This is like a totally cheesy cliche thing, but yoga is. A lot of people come for what, what's happening physically. They come for the workout. And what they discover is that yoga is a work-in. It's an inside job. It's like So they, yeah. they come for the workout, but they stay because of all the benefits they're feeling from the inside. Out, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's okay to come. I, I have no problem with people coming just because they want to work out. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason those people keep coming, even if they don't want to admit it yet. Yes, and it's more than just the workout. It's the work-in. It's the work in. Uh, yeah. I like that though. I've never heard it like that before. I like the work in. Okay, can we? Can I? Can yes. I queue up the zero hour here, please? Sorry, I'll shut up. Go. Okay. So, Leanne, you uh, described yourself as a recovering overachiever, and I believe that there is a zero hour story that you had to share with us today, and that it has something to do with. A significant transformation that has happened over the recent, mm. like the recent past, um, and that you are indeed able to proudly tout that you are a recovering overachiever as a result. I think yeah. that's a great yeah. term, yeah. by the way. I mean, recovering from many things, overachieving one of them. Yes. <laughs> the perfectionism, another. Uh, hustle culture, another. Yes. There's many of them. Yeah, I love that. I love that term, hustle culture. Yeah. yeah. It's such a. Yeah. Wait. Before we get into it, didn't we didn't we talk about something the three of us that you get addicted to anxiety? You get addicted you, you to the hustle. You get addicted chaos. to the hustle chaos. and the chaos. Yeah, you get addicted to the chaos. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. you feel not bored, but not not really fulfilled. But something's missing if you don't have that bit of chaos in your life. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I uh, so before my zero hour occurred which was a, a, an extreme pivot for me, um, I had already been feeling like, wow, I keep burning out. I'm being mean to people I really don't want to be mean to. I cannot seem to fill my well no matter how much yoga and therapy I go to. I, like nothing is working and I'm just critically low on gas in the tank. And at that point in time, I had spoken to a, a trusted advisor in my life and I said, you know, I'm just kind of looking for a truth about what I'm supposed to be doing because this ain't it. Yeah. And he said, if you ask the universe for the truth, you will get it and be prepared to receive it. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm. Like, I'll, I'll drink the green juice, but mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I was dealing with that and I was kind of in a deep depression that I was working through with my therapist and How with long other ago people. Was this? You know, I want to say it was like three years ago. Okay. Um, 
but it was like in the midst of the pandemic, so it's yep. hard for for yeah, me it's to hard remember to separate what was yeah, what, exactly. right? Yeah. So I was getting extreme vertigo. Uh, like it would start out like I was on a boat, and then it would spin, and I would pass out like while I was driving, mm-hmm. which that's was... very dangerous. Scary. Right. Very dangerous. Um, and it would happen in like higher stress moments. Um, so I was at first I was like, oh, maybe it's just stress, whatever. But it kept happening. And my husband was like, you need to, you know, this is kind of scary when you're driving on the highway and you're getting vertigo. So I went in to see my doctor and I was having some other issues, my primary care. And they figured at the time that they were like, you know, I, we think it's just migraines. We think maybe you're having anxiety also. I was like, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, we yeah. know we know uh, that's yeah. the truth. Yeah, yeah, sure. So she sent me to a neurologist um, just to double check. That neurologist, uh, we didn't click at all. We just didn't mesh. And yeah. that's important to me, like with somebody who's taking care of my brain. Yeah. But I was like, well, I really want to get this MRI. It's just kind of a thing I have to do to make sure nothing's going on. So I went in to get the MRI. I left, and I'm driving home. And she calls me, and she says, you need to come into my office right now. You need to get your husband out of work. We found something in your brain on the MRI, and you need to come in right away. Right away. How scary was that? Absolutely terrifying. Dude, that's like terrifying. a record scratch. What? Yeah. No, yeah. truly. It was like if there were, yeah, if there were a score on my life, that would have been, yeah. You know, the the person giving the MRIs, run of the mill, does it a hundred times a day. Nothing ever shows up. Well, they actually didn't, the radiologist didn't even find it. The neurologist okay. went to look back over the scan and found it because they were looking at my ears. Yeah. They weren't even really looking at my brain. Okay. So I called my husband and and I... What was that conversation like? I was like, hey... Um, What's his name? John. John. I was like, hey, John, I know you're at work in the city. <laughs> um, it appears that I, I might have a brain tumor and I might have brain cancer, so... Yeah, but you didn't know it was, it was what they were referring to. Could no, they say but it to you she like was so frantic... That it was that, that that's immediately what you thought. Yeah, and I think in in having like a reaction to it, I went like my blood pressure was so high. That I would have passed out totally. I would have yeah. fucking passed right out. Interestingly enough, like I I have the type of anxiety where in chaos, uh, when things are really frantic, I perform really well. <sighs> so you like calm the fuck because down chaos right away. for me was my really? natural state. So I was like, this is uh, familiar. Uh. So I, I was just, I had like shut down the emotional part of my brain and I was like, what are the next steps? How are we wow. going to manage this? Wait, so are you literally in your car? You just yeah. got back. You got the call. You called John. Yep. This has all happened within 10 minutes after you left. Yeah. Yeah. They're about. Okay. Yeah. And John picks up the phone and John's like, what's his reaction? Um. Well, John and I had been, John has a dark sense of humor. Let me preface it by saying that. It's, right. He's very funny. Um, and before I went in to get this to kind of lighten my mood because I was already a little nervous, he was like, well, it's probably a brain tumor. (laughs) And I, and so when I called him, I was like, you're an asshole. (laughs) I have a brain tumor. And I was like, humor, dark humor is kind of my go-to when I'm really stressed also. And it's our, our thing. So I was just, you know, and he, yeah, but then he was like, fuck, 
Yeah. I should never have said that, oh, you know, no. whatever. That was just knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Oh. So I had a bunch of real estate appointments, and I had to call uh, Elizabeth, who I call Parker. That's her maiden name. Everybody calls her Parker for the most part. And I called her, and I was like, um, please don't tell anybody about this. I've had this really kind of traumatic experience, and, you know, whatever. But at that point, I was in such thick, like, just moving forward. Yeah. That I wasn't, I hadn't processed it emotionally yet, and I was so worried that she was going to go right to emotions. I was kind of just, like, nurturing and preparing her for what I was about to tell her. So she managed everything, of course. I went in, and I told John, I was like, you know what, just, I have a feeling it's going to be all right. Just stay at work. And that might have just been a survival mechanism. Really? Yeah, you, you so you, to... you, just, you just had him stay at work. I did because he was in... But you know how unproductive he is right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, whoever you're around, if you want to tell them, so yeah. they that, that's totally fine. So they know what the fuck, why you're staring into this yeah. fucking holy shit. Right. And we know? were newlyweds okay. also. I mean, John and I, at this point, have been together for 10 years, married for four. Okay. But Yeah, but we you were, were in your, like, year one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so Well, it's I... not like he really knew you. I mean, yeah, yeah, come on, right. you're only married for a year. Right. Whatever. Exactly. <laughs> That's the dark humor. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'm the type of guy who laughs at a funeral, right? Oh, no. So are, yeah. that's that. If I'm not laughing at a, if I'm laughing at a funeral, it's because I'm so uncomfortable that sure. it's like, you know, I do the same thing. Anytime I'm uncomfortable, yeah. it's laughter. Yes. Yes. Um, like I'll have to cover my, you know, cover my mouth because I'm like, oh, no, I'm smiling. Dude, I shouldn't be. My cat, my kid's cat passed. And as I was telling them the fucking story, I was laughing. Yeah. And oh they still God. bring it up. Yeah. This is like 10 years ago. Like, remember the time you laughed when the cat died? Yeah. It's like, that's how I deal with grief. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I, it's, it's a familiar story for me. Yeah. yeah. So I went into her office and, um, and Waltham, and he was like way in the city. So by the, And I was like, I can't wait for you to get here because I need to go find out what's going on immediately. Sure. I walk into the office. They bring me the the secretary's like, "Oh, you're you're Leanne," and I was like, "Don't do that." Dead man walking. I'm like, "Don't." <laughs> basically, I was like, "Can you not?" I, I was like, "And and, and rush her in immediately." That's what that's what happened. Honest to God. And and in that moment, I was like, "I really understand why people that are in the midst of illness hate." When people look like they're pitying them. Yes. Oh, I yes. was like, this is so obnoxious. Body slam you in a second. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, I really get it now. So they brought me right back. I walk in and she looks at me and she goes, do you want a Xanax? And I was like, no. 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 Really? I wa- yeah. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Right. So um, She's like, okay, so and before she tells me what's going on, she has me do all these things, like touching my finger to my nose. And finally, I just said, look. What's up? I stand on my hands every day. I can stand on my hands in the middle of a room. I'm not having balance issues. Mm. You, you know, what is going on? Yeah. And she was like, okay, we found, I found this mass on your brain, and it's on your brain stem. She shows it to me, and it's this little thing. She's like, there's a cyst above it. She won't say... It's a tumor because that's... She can't yet. She can't. And it they would gotta, be... They got to biopsy it, right? Yeah, well... Yeah. Right. So she said, you know, I think they're probably... Gonna, and this is right before Christmas. She's like, I think they're going to want to perform um, brain surgery probably right away. She's like, I can't say for sure. Stop! Yeah. 
you have as a doctor, you haven't even diagnosed me properly. Yeah. But right. And this started wow. with the vibe you didn't have with this person. And this yeah. this is like uh, I'm going to use the wrong word, but this is like is it malice. It's malpractice. Like, no, it's not malpractice. It's like bedside manner out the fucking door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very very poor bedside manner, and I think because of. You know, I can at the time I was really, really mad at her, really mad. I think since then I've decided not to continue to be mad and just realize that maybe she was so shocked. She might have been. That she just couldn't manage it. Um Was she a young did, doctor? No. No? No. But you didn't have brain surgery. No. I did not, thank God. Um Good. Yeah. What a fucked up Christmas. Yeah, right? Yeah, yes. seriously. Yes. And she, you know, she keeps going on and on saying these things that are very, you know, they're catalysts for anybody to have anxiety or to like have a mental breakdown. She's like, this is, has to take precedent. You're probably not going to be home for Christmas. This is going to be a long recovery. Yeah. Right? Like, isn't uh, that just, yeah. yeah. Uh. Like, so, I want you to coddle me a little bit. I uh, want you to yeah. tell me it's going to be like you're not 100% sure. Instead of jumping into the deep end right away yeah. and giving me the worst case scenario. And that's, in my humble opinion, something that doctors do to protect themselves, right? That they have to tell you the worst case scenario in the event of, right? And that's kind of BS because. But what, can you start with the best case scenario? Yeah. Like, or don't offer a scenario without having all the information first. yeah or that yeah. you're not equipped to give because she then went on to say this isn't really what i do i'm going to refer you to a neurosurgeon and she said she said if i i said to her if you were me is this the neurosurgeon that you would want to be referred to and she was like yeah. i said if i were your kid would you refer me to, to this, this neurosurgeon, neurosurgeon. she said a hundred percent so all right this guy's busy, okay, and he is a wonderful person. He like rushed me in as is, fast as he could. Who's this guy? His name, his name is Doctor Sultan. Okay, yeah. Doctor Sultan, S U L T A R. Yep. Okay. Yep. He rushed me in, um, virtually. Yeah. And is this all same day. This is the next day because this was too too late to get yeah. you know, and yeah. he this guy performs surgeries regularly, so. Yeah. So as fast as he could. So I'm on, and John did take the day off for that. He was like, all right. You yeah. want to see the neurosurgeon? I guess I'll call in soon. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and I was like, I'm not calling my parents, which they're still upset about. But I was like, I can't do this. To, I'm not going to do that to them without enough information because right. what an awful thing. And you're like, tw- you're like 24. Yeah. So you don't want to do to your parents what the, what the x-ray person just did to you. Yes. Good. Right. right. So... I get on the virtual and his PA, his physician's assistant comes on. I don't remember her name, but she was lovely. But they can't say anything. You know, that's not their job. It's not what they do. Yeah. So I'm like giving her all these random symptoms that I'm having because I was having a lot of other stuff besides the migraines and the vertigo. She's like, okay, the doctor's going to come on in a second. So he comes on and he goes, you're probably really, really, really nervous and anxious. And I was like, nailed that one on the head. Nailed it. Yeah, I mean, but his like he just has a really nice way about him. And he said, the reason that I rushed you in is because I don't want you sitting around with anxiety about Ugh. this. Just what you want to hear. Yeah. That's how I, you have I, a conversation. First deep breath I had taken, and I'm, I'm a breather. Like, and you can um, feel it lift. Oh, like totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, And he said, you know, most likely what you have, if you had never had an MRI, you'd have never known that you had it. 
Um, and this was something that had been there for a long time, he thought? Most likely. But wow. because it's on my brainstem, to biopsy it would be like a – would be drastic. Overly risky. Overly risky. Yeah. Um, so – you know, he was like, we're pretty sure this is what it is. He said, most likely the worst case scenario is that you have one of the top neurosurgery teams in the world follow you around for the rest of your life. Okay. That's not a bad thing. Okay. Right? I'll take that. He was like, anytime you need something, send us a note. Um, Love that guy. He then referred me to another neurosurgeon who is e- equally wonderful, who specializes in what I have. Um, and So so what what is it? It's Well, it's called a tectal plate glioma. That's okay. what they think. They can't know yeah, for certain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is the, if it is in fact that, it is the luckiest type of mass that you can have in your brain. Get it, girl. Yeah. Wow. Get so, that. Right. So I was, I was like, okay, I'm good with that. You know, it like, does it sit in the back of my mind? Like last week. I went into an eye doctor. I was like, I, I think I have hydrocephalus. Can you look at my optic nerve, please? She was like, what? Oh. <laughs> how, do you, how do you know this? Yeah. So she, when she heard my medical history, she was like, you can come in today at 2.15. Equally, absolutely wonderful doctor. Like, just the Amazing nicest Amazing how the relationship with the doctor changes the so vibe, much, the yeah. mood immediately. Immediately. Dr. Yeah. Sultan. And she, mm. I will say that the the other doctor, the neur, the neurologist, the original one, who I'm I'm not going to name, she mm-hmm. did call me to apologize. She did. Wow. Yeah, really? she did. It, it was kind of like, um, I, it was like a half-hearted apology, kind of like I had I had to do this, but I'm sorry. I I guess I didn't need to take it to that level. Yeah. Thanks. You and just I, fuck, yeah. Took ten years off my did life. Did you say yeah. something yeah, right. to her when she did? So I. What I have, with my attorney. What I have learned since then is that I am really intensely good at regulating my emotions. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, everyday things, I can regulate those pretty well and keep myself at baseline. What I'm not so good at is that if something traumatic happens, I'm like, that wasn't traumatic. I'm fine. Stuff 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 so like I'll, I'll feel the everyday stuff and move through it so i really just kind of started digesting like the medical trauma of that which was pretty acute and i think the reason for that is because i was like i'm not this isn't a big enough deal other people have it so much worse i don't deserve to be traumatized by this right not a victim right right that's like right. a common theme i'm not a victim and that is said by strong people. Yes. People who are emotionally and mentally strong, not a victim. Not going to let it get me down, right? Yeah, and I think that the the only downside is like any extreme for me, any emotional extreme is not good for me. So I really needed to process it, which I have been doing and learning so much more about myself because if there is one thing about me, I am not an enabler, and I am not a caretaker. Um, so wow. I I believe that people are strong enough to deal with the the battles that are put in front of them. I'm not saying that I'm like a hard ass. Like I, I have compassion and empathy. You're coming off as a hard ass. I know. And <laughs> I, I know. See, this is the thing. And I'll like I'll I'll listen to people and I will work things through them. You know, like I'm a very nurturing yes. person. 
Um, and but that's I, why I was surprised when you were like, I'm not a caretaker. I can yeah. understand not being an enabler, but I've sort of naturally seen you as a caretaker. But I, I, I think what I mean is like care. When I talk about when I say I'm not a caretaker, what I mean is I'm not going to coddle somebody to the point that I'm taking care of their emotions for them, that they deserve the dignity to take care of themselves. That's, in my opinion. Yes, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I, I mean, I take care of people. I love, you know, to do things for people. That's like part of my love language is acts of service for sure. Yep. I just won't, um, I won't deny that people are strong enough to deal with their own stuff. You learn that from your parents too? Tom yeah. and Mary. Yeah. 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 So, so Leanne, talk to me or talk to us rather about how this diagnosis and sort of getting to this place like shifted your approach to life so this was the this in my opinion was a higher power of my understanding saying because this was the universe speaking and you'd truth. better freaking you listen. better listen it's ti- yeah it's time to listen when i was driving to meet the neurologist about the scan initially I was having clarity about like I'm I was saying to myself I will never bargaining really. I was like I will never complain again about worrying about whether somebody's going to sign a listing agreement with me. I will never again worry so much about if a buyer is going to get their offer accepted. You know, I still show up to my job with the same vigor that I would, but without without with a healthy level of detachment. From outcome. From outcome. So in in your life as a whole, because how you do anything is how How you you do do everything, everything. you have adopted the I will not be attached to outcomes, but I will live my life. Yeah. and That's huge. It is. And it's – let me be perfectly clear that this is everyday work. This is like every hour work. I work really hard on this and I fail more often than I succeed. Um, But that's okay. And – in that I was so deeply enmeshed in I have to hustle because I have to be the best. My business has to be the most successful faster than anybody else has done it before. I'm very competitive. And I need to do all these things and I will not rely on anybody else because that's not who I am. Um, and that was killing me. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. – Probably would have taken years off of my life if I had continued that. And I was coping in ways that I no longer cope. Um, do, you, do you still get vertigo? I, I do occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it turns out that the vertigo and the migraines were actually caused by not uh, by having 40 ounces of iced coffee in the morning before eating. Or Are you serious? Yeah. It was just under eating that was causing. Because I'm so, I'm in, I'm so active in teaching. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like I'm active in my life anyways. It just turns out that I was not eating enough to support my life. Can I pay wow. extra for the assist in your yoga classes? <laughs> I, I will give you an assist in class. I will pay extra for the assist. It's I, I mean, it, it sounds like consent is, is very much given, so I will give there you, you an assist in class. Thank you the, for the world to know. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So – Leanne, does this mean that you work less? Does oh, it yeah. mean that you take on fewer hours of teaching? Do you like how has this shift translated into like how your day might look different? So, I'm curious. It's interesting. It's uh, so I 
when I was working in real estate specifically before, I was hell bent on working as often as possible. But that doesn't mean that I was doing anything that was worth doing. I was just busy, um, which I no longer do. So at that time, I also decided I was like, I need to get a dog. And that, like George, my younger guy who I got first, uh, changed my life. Like he's he's my yeah. dog. He follows me everywhere. So it was like I need to do something that's going to pull me out of hyper focusing on something that is not productive. Yeah. Um, productivity to me isn't just work anymore. And before I would say things like if I didn't sell a house today, I wasn't productive. Um, that's pressure you put on yourself. Yeah. And, yeah. And what's interesting <clears throat> coming from such a spiritual background <clears throat> that your parents provided you nurturing and spiritual like that isn't part of that dna right like yeah that's more about the order of operations and the order of the world and what will happen will happen and you could you know pivot and get to it but it's it, it contrasts greatly to like what you're telling us now is that i wasn't productive if i didn't sell a house if i didn't do this right. and what you learned, I'm not going to speak for you, but one of the things you learned during this you know, traumatic situation that ended up in your favor, well, not in your favor, but ended up being the best possible outcome. I, I consider it in my favor okay. at this point, yeah. Is that it took this to fuck, to chill, mm-hmm. right? And you learn this at a young age, right? Yeah. Like, so I, I say something, I, I use this a lot, you can't control your controllables, right? Or, And you can't control outcomes all the time. And you just have to – you could try your best to get it to where it goes, yeah. but you can't stress about if they buy it or not. Right? I, I said – like when I was dealing with um, like just illness in general and dealing with the fallout of that really intense 48 hours, I said the serenity prayer to myself so many times, which is grant me the serenity to accept the things um, – I cannot change. I cannot change. Of course, I'm forgetting it right the now. The courage. To change the things that I can and the wisdom, the wisdom to, know to know the, the difference. difference. You you talk about having a uh, conversation bargaining with God, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. On, on the way to the hospital. Yeah. Was that part of your bargaining with God? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I had this experience on the way there that I, you know, I'm very analytical. I'm very science-leaning, which is why I think, yeah, which is why I think, I consider yoga for me to be a mental health practice is because I tend to dig into analytics. Um, On the way there, I had, at some point I had been talking to my mom prior to this happening and I said, you know, it's the weirdest thing. I'm seeing 111 everywhere, this number, 111. And she would like, see it somewhere she sent me a picture of it so i'm driving to the hospital uh to the doctor's office and there are three cars at the exact same time in front of me on the highway one in the fast lane one in the middle lane one in the slow lane really and they all have one 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 on the license plate first three numbers one 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 it oh was, my god like it it was what does in, that mean i mean it's a sign of something it's a right? sign of something well so like and it, for you it meant everything's gonna be okay that's how i took it and or maybe everything's not gonna be okay but, but you're, you're gonna, gonna be you're okay. gonna be okay yeah yeah 
Um, and I've seen it many times since then. And I do think like there's a certain element of when you're looking for something, you see it more. For sure. But the three cars in front of me was such a shocking thing. Mm. Uh, especially when I had been really asking for clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get more clarity than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I was like, I need, I knew I needed to get out of hustle culture. I was like, either I need to become a billionaire really, really fast mm-hmm. and get out of it, or mm-hmm. I need to be okay mm-hmm. with not being a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Last words of advice, Leanne, as you think about hustle culture and the addiction we have to chaos and leanisms like how you do anything is how you do everything as we get ready to sort of wrap up like what do you what has your zero hour ultimately taught you and if you could share that one nugget of wisdom in perhaps a new leanism as a result of that zero hour what would it be the biggest thing that i tell people now is that my job is my job and my lifestyle is my career. I love that. That's the biggest Say it thing. again. My job is my job and my lifestyle is my career. Yeah. So you are devoting your life to living your life and your job is just a vehicle to help you get there. Yeah, and I think work ethic is spiritual. I think drive, ambition, or spiritual practices, they're important. But you can apply drive, work ethic, and ambition to how fully you live your life. And I do that now. And I like my 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 relationship with my dog is so enriching for me. And we do a lot. Like we're, he's a full time sport dog. It's a lot. But it's I have a, you know I don't make money from that. In fact, I spend a lot mm-hmm. of money on that. Mm-hmm. But it's so enriching. It's productive. It it fulfills me. My relationship with my husband, John, is so much better. My relationship with my family, the way I treat people, is so much better because those relationships are my career. Mm. The impact that I make on those people and furthermore, the impact I make on myself is my career. My job, I love my job. It fulfills. It makes me able to do those things. I'm super privileged to be able to do that. But it's my job. Yeah. Yeah, I that love. is profound. Thank you, Leanne. That is an unbelievable nugget of wisdom. Thank you. You always deliver. Thank you. All right. Um, so, Leanne Mitchell, amazing. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us on the Zero Hour Podcast. It's a pleasure. When I first heard your story, I may- immediately went into goosebumps. <laughs> You know, I, so I, true. I, 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 th- I think you need to have like a medical disclaimer before like you tell that story. I know. Right? Oh, we did. I did. T- I yes. did. As a trigger yes. warning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, I'm going to wrap it up. All right? all right. So thank you. That was uh, Leanne Mitchell. Right. She is uh, an entrepreneur. She has her job as her job and her life as her career. She's got John, Tom and Mary, George and Remy. Nice. All right. And we are Dunsky, all right? So thank you very much, Leanne, Christine. Thank you, your Leanne. co-host.